0: Hello and welcome to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss and this is Louis Victor. And Louis, you want cheese without wine? Definitely. <laughs> Always. Always. Um, so that's kind of the topic today. We chose you want cheese without wine to kind of mean Well, what it's like to work in hospitality sometimes. It can be very uh, awesome, fun, exhilarating, minute-to-minute, unique, different every day. But uh, with that comes some stress and, uh, well, strange guests sometimes. Awesome guests, difficult guests, fun
1: guests, annoying guests. (laughs) Kind of like everything, just like life, right? And guests that think they know what they want, but they Really don't know. Yeah, just kind of like a start-off point. Right. Um, for me, one of the craziest
0: tickets I ever had was a bone-in ribeye, well done, not burnt, no char,
1: okay. with
0: ketchup on the side and cheddar cheese on the top. Wow. $95 dollars bone and ribeye, by the way.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs>
0: Crazy. So at this time, I was working at a restaurant where the customer gets whatever they want. Certain restaurants, believe it or not, nowadays will say no
1: mm-hmm.
0: for something like that, uh, simply sometimes because it can't be done,
1: other times because, well, they don't want to do it. How about you? You know what? Tickets-wise, we kind of stand our ground with the food because our chef believes in our menu. So any little addition that we have, we have to clarify. So craziest tickets? I don't think I have any. But there are disagreeable guests. I know what you do have where you work right now is you'll get, like, all kinds
0: of allergies. Like, yeah. allergies to the point where you're like, tell me what you can put in there right. and I'll
1: try to make it for you. Exactly. I had a guy that was allergic to salt. And Ooh. <laughs> That's right? a tough one. That's
2: tough one. We're <laughs> <was>. really super...
1: <laughs> Right, I mean, everything here is salted, sir. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what I want to say is, in the spirit of hospitality, we do want to try.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I'm going to start with uh, Anthony Bourdain quote. He says, "Turning your nose up at a genuine and sincere gesture of hospitality is no way to travel or to make friends around the world." Wonderful, infinite wisdom of yeah. Anthony Bourdain goes on after his death
1: and we're going to try to mail some infinite wisdom from our manager and our friend over here mr christopher Bouget. yeah we have a guest today
0: yeah. to talk front of the house yeah. you know from his point of view christopher Bougea, general manager of bizarre meat thanks for joining us christopher. Well, thank
2: you so much for having me on
0: all right so louis says you have this awesome definition of hospitality what is it to you
2: um i had a wonderful um mentor in my life, um, my maitre d', Lee Ingold, and uh, he would sit us down and give us these little nuggets of wisdom, and the one that always stuck with me and the one that I carry on with me is really the way that I feel most front and back of the house people feel on a day-to-day basis. But hospitality is making others feel like they're at home, even if you really wish that they were. So despite, (laughs) you know, despite your attitude or you know how how you feel when you come into your job um setting that aside and realizing that we're there for a greater purpose and that is to you know make other people feel like they're comfortable and
0: so louie and i I talk about this all the time Mm as back of the house i mean now that i do walk in chef's shoes sometimes Mm -hmm. as a sous chef um mostly because where I work now, the executive chef doesn't want to go out there at all. He's just one of those guys that's like very common in back of the house. I don't want to go to the front of house. I don't want to go outside. Like I want to make great food. That's all I want to do. I don't want to talk to anybody about it.
1: Right.
0: So clearly there are a lot of people back of the house that are like that. So I end up out there. And even just dealing with one guest that's upset (laughs) once a week or twice a week to me is too much. Um, so, from someone who's there every day, good guess, bad guess, whatever, how do you find the patience to deal with people that maybe don't want to be patient with you?
2: um You know every issue, and I found that you know, having been at Bazaar now for for four and a half years um it's an opportunity. So, you know, a lot of times you don't get a chance to shine until, you know, you've stumbled and involved or made a mistake. And a lot of our regular guests, and I can, you know, give you a handful of names, the people that have continued to come back and see us in referrals, have all started with what would con- one might consider a catastrophic situation, i.e., you know, somebody spills a glass of wine on somebody else's dress before <laughs> their butts go out.
0: A recovery kind
2: of thing. A recovery, yeah. And, uh, and, and, I, and I would say... A lo- a majority, uh, even so, of 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 our regulars and those relationships that we founded have been because of difficult situations. So, um, you you see it less as an inconvenience for yourself and more as an opportunity to 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 implement effective change in this experience in that moment, but ultimately to 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 build a relationship and. Um, I think that's where you find that patience is the fact that, you know, you realize that you can make something great of this, um, in what some might consider, you know, the worst situation possible.
0: So give us kind of an example, because I think people out there who aren't in the restaurant industry or in the hospitality industry, you know, I think it's interesting when you hear these stories about like a great turnover or, mm-hmm. you know, how people come in a certain way and then you change their attitude. It's got a lot to do with psychology.
2: hmm oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, firstly... You know empathy, right? So right. You know, I mean, establishing that 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 contact the moment that you see them. So you should never go up to a table or a guest or situation in in the idea of thinking like, oh, well, you know, there 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 are no excuses. Firstly, there there is no excuse, right? There there's there's no. You're right. If if this would have gone the way that I would have wanted it from the very beginning, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So let me just go ahead and start off with the fact that I apologize tremendously for this inconvenience and for this small hiccup and, and, you know, Uh, sometimes you have to let them vent. Sometimes people just want to, uh, you know, express, you know, their frustration with the situation. Maybe, and, you know, especially working in a place like Las Vegas, maybe, you know, they don't want to be there. They're away from their family. They're forced to be there because of business. Um, they flew in on a late flight and this is the last thing that they can eat before they go to bed because they have a very important meeting tomorrow and they're all stressed out. So there are all these factors that always go into it and you have to keep those in mind you know, every time that you walk up to any sort of situation. So, yeah.
0: Uh, so for me, and this is something that I notice whenever I bring anybody to Bizarre Me, we'll use this as an example since all of us have worked there or work there now, mm-hmm. um, one of the things my husband will say is that when he describes his perfect restaurants in Vegas, bizarre always comes up in the title and not just because of, uh, nepotism, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because he actually feels like it's an experience as opposed to, um, just a meal, right. you know? And I shouldn't say just a meal because there are tons of meals that I've had in my lifetime that have been life changing just from being the actual food in the meal, <laughs> but bizarre people always explain it as an experience. And that's what sets us apart from other restaurants. I guess as somebody who's in charge over there, how do you give them an experience as opposed to just sustenance?
2: Um, uh, I mean, it all starts with everybody buying in, right? So first thing is the culture. Um, you know, uh, I came in about um, six months after... Uh, The opening of Bazaar and uh, it was amazing because the culture of ownership was already there right so if you uh, have everyone's buy-in from the very beginning um, then that can kind of kind of alter that Um, Bazaar very much is I almost want to say an education in the way because the experience is so different, right? So you know, normally people go to a steakhouse, and especially when you think steakhouse, you think one, two, three, like uh, appetizer, entree, dessert. If it's a fancy steakhouse, then there might be an amuse bouche, you know, and an enter miso, and maybe the chef is great, and he says you got an extra course. Mm-hmm. So what? Like you finish up, and you're at like six courses. I have I have first waves that are six courses, right? So it's a it's about it's about kind of breaking down the walls uh, or, or their understanding of what they think that they're about to get into, and then reintroducing another idea. So. Uh, making sure that that quote-unquote experience is established early um, is imperative to everyone having a good time because you have to have that, that buy-in. That's why when you walk into our restaurant, um, you know, the hostess can talk to you just as much about the tempering process, uh, how long it's going to take and what you should do to entertain yourself in the meantime uh, in the bar program as the runner, the busser, you know, every single cook that's in that kitchen, in that open kitchen where people go up and they talk to them. So we're all on the same page, so having the same vision and making sure that um, we're all moving in the same direction for that guest experience. So uh, yeah, it, it is very kind of all encompassing and if you don't establish that as part of your identity um, very early on, um, then it's difficult um, to translate it. Uh, but we're very fortunate in this culture, and especially with you know uh, Chef Jose you know, having such a strong personality and vision for what it is um, that that's established early on. So I mean, it, it, it has its own energy right now.
0: So, besides Bazaar, I know most of us have kind of been in amazing and terrible experiences with Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. What's a, do you remember a time, or does it stay in your head at a time of a perfect experience for you somewhere else when you went to dine?
2: uh a perfect experience near
0: perfect obviously it's never gonna be hundred. yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean perfect in my mind has happened a lot right because it's not just um you know about the food and the place but you know the company that you keep and uh of and 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 what you're doing while you're there so a lot of my you know i i have a lot of you know i hate using the word foodie but i have a lot of you know too. food <laughs> driven friends or so people who you know take that very passionately um and, and a lot of them kind of like to dissect you know the minutia of what their service was and how you know the maitre d' was or did anybody come by and greet them and and that's never what I'm left with. I'm uh, every experience that I ever have. I'm always left with what conversations that I have, right. what uh, what feelings or emotions did a dish uh, evoke in me? Um, did it did did it did it remind me of something in my past? Is it something that I can identify with that I can that's tactile, that's visceral, that that that, that has all these things to go along with it and. Um, you know,
0: I, an example of like a place like that, that you can think uh, of, like, you know, we, we,
2: uh, we went to, uh, we, we, got married, um, and we went up to, uh, the Bay area and, uh, you know, we did, you know, we did, uh, the Mina test kitchen and we, and we went around and, you know, we went up to, uh, you know, continuum and, and, and got treated very nicely up in Napa. And we went, uh, what we thought of basically as a pilgrimage to, to, uh, you know, the laundry and, uh, You know, before we went in, um, you know, it had been open for, you know, 20-something years and it had been there and everybody knew it and we knew who came from there and we knew what that meant to the food culture in the U.S., right? So, we were going there to pay homage to a chef, um, and, and, and leave all of our, you know, preconceived ideas at the door. And before we went people were like, oh, do you think it's going to be, you know, worthy of that, you know, three Michelin star? Do you think it's going to blow your mind? Do you think it's going to be the best <laughs> meal that you've ever had, right? Like, and, and, and the answer is yes, right? And the answer is yes. And it's not just because of the way the food tasted, because I can tell you the oysters and pearls is the only thing that I absolutely remember from beginning to end, the way that it smelled, the way that it tasted, the way that it looked, the way that it felt tactically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but, but, but what we, what we got from that was, was perfect. It was perfect because of what it meant to us.
0: I like how you say it's about the experience because I I learn when you describe a perfect experience, it's like who you're with, the atmosphere, maybe what you're celebrating, what you're talking about. I love that because Mm -hmm. when I was talking to, actually when I was in Napa in that area, talking to sommeliers about why wine (laughs) tastes different when you get home, you could spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on wine and then you come back home and you you drink it and you think hmm, this doesn't taste the same and so much of it they say is because you're in napa Mm -hmm. it might be romantic or it might be you know a bunch of friends in you whatever that is actually contributes to the flavor too because the flavors
1: you know in your brain as well it's an all-encompassing Experience, but for wine, there's also this thing called bottle shock when you travel. Oh, well, of course, so. yeah, yeah, or just like
0: trying to have bizarre meat food when you get home, obviously, is getting right. different than you're having <laughs> it, of <at> course, table, <laughs> right? you know?
2: Yeah, that's why we say it doesn't travel that well,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um yeah. you're a better man than us when it comes to trying to have the experience and not think about the maitre d and the server because Louis and I talk a lot. About how we get super hypercritical, and it annoys the crap out of dates and friends, and and you know we try not to be, but we sit there, and we think, why are you doing this? Right. Why did why did why'd you come on this side? Why'd you why'd you drop this? You know how do you drop it this way? How come you don't know anything about the food?
1: I try to switch myself off. Right. When when all those things but you happen. don't. Yeah, but I'm just like there's this commentary in my head, but I'm like. I'm trying to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Shut up, Louie. Right.
0: <laughs>
2: it was like that for a long time. And then, uh, you know, you find out that ignorance is bliss. And then you realize that if you just kind of just separate from that, just let it go. For take a it down bit. a
0: notch. Because take I've it, taken take service. Work.
2: I've taken service personally. You know what I mean? Really? Like, what is he doing? Like, right. you know,
0: Why does he hate me so much? Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> what, why do they like them better over there? <laughs> no,
2: that yeah, doesn't even make ready. any sense. Why would you choose that? Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then you just choose to let it go eventually.
0: (laughs) Right. So for us as back-of-the-house people, it's important for us to have a great front-of-the-house, for many reasons, obviously. But you guys really are the liaison between the best thing we can possibly put out there for food and the guest. So we could put the best thing possible out there. It could be our masterpiece Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever we think it is. And between that point at the pass and the guest, that can change for many reasons, you right. know? And I guess for you as a manager of several people in different restaurants, how do you find the right people to be that perfect or really awesome liaison between the kitchen and the guests? Or is
1: there like certain personalities Certain traits, traits? yeah,
0: that you look for.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, people that are outgoing, people that, are, you know, that, that love to talk, that are passionate, um, people that believe in what they're saying right that that really translate you know that's why you know I encourage a lot of my um, employees to, to make sure that they come and sit down and try the restaurant so that they can see it from that other perspective because if you uh, get bogged down in the day-to-day operations of things and it comes very banal and very just normal and you lose that magic in that sense so I think it boils down to culture and ownership and and uh, you know they end up holding everyone else accountable so if I you know uh, in our system um it, I don't hire food runners you know they they make themselves you know, and they come from bussers, they come from referrals um, they come from uh people growing. I have hostesses that have transferred over uh into becoming food runners, and then food runners in turn who uh you know have shown the initiative and and moved on to. Uh, different steps. So I I think that we try to very much um, like Chef has done with our culture uh, at the Bazaar, which is one where we go around on rotation and then you become a CDP and then you go from CDP and then you can put your hat in to uh, become a sous chef. Um, I think that I try and mirror that in our front of the house operations and that kind of handles itself. So you know, the people that want to be there are the ones that are going to, you know, have that passion and that drive and and, and want to describe those dishes and pay the respect that it deserves. So.
0: so when you get that person at the beginning who might be, you know, the hostess or a busser, and you're, you know, kind of thinking about the future, you might really be thinking about the future. How how does this person fit in, you know, f- hopefully transitioning into higher positions or higher paid positions, more responsibility positions, what are you looking for in that person, you know, is it just drive? Is it, is it a light in their eyes? Like what do you, when you're sitting down at that table and you're doing that interview, what are some of the things that you're keeping an eye on?
2: Interviews for me, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a terrible interviewer. I, I am I am the worst. Do
0: you
2: I, not like it is that why? Uh no, I get I get I get super nervous mm-hmm. and uh especially like I just see all like the possibilities of my life and my future and like what's going to happen. And <laughs> and and you know I've been lucky enough that you know people have looked beyond that or I've you know had a breakout moment in an interview where it you know actually uh saved me. But um so I I try not to put too much stock in interviews. I put a lot of stock into who referred that person. Um, I, I, I ask very little about um, knowledge and things like that. You know, I want, I want some sort of exposure. Um, but more importantly, um, you know, we have 107 uh-huh. to 110 employees on any given day, not including salary positions at Bazaar. And over half of those are, you know, front of the house employees. So you think, you know, 50, 60 people. Um, more importantly, how are they gonna fit? Like, mm-hmm. how are they going to work like this? I look at our room and our restaurant as an aquarium, and it has a certain pH balance. And uh, you know, if you put you know a predatory fish into that aquarium that can you know uh, mess everything up, and if you you know put a fish that you know is going to mess up the pH balance, then the environment dies. Right. So my biggest question, my biggest concern, my biggest thought is how is the person across from me going to get along with the other people that are here, and is he or she going to take it as personally and invest themselves as much as the team that I already have? So from the drop of the hat, do I think that you're one of us is really the question that I ask.
0: We uh, talked with Chef Carlos about that, actually, and it was mm-hmm. very similar when he was talking about, and Chef Carlos is at Gina Poblano, executive chef over there. He also worked with us at Bazaar as a sous chef.
2: Love Carlos. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: He talked with us about that, about yeah. how it's more important to him that cooks, prep cooks, dishwashers fit in with the team mm-hmm. than actually have you know this badass resume where it's like, they worked at French Laundry, and obviously those right. are good things, mm-hmm. but...
2: I can teach you all that.
0: He would rather have somebody that had a great attitude Mm -hmm. that lit up the room, that got along with Louis when they walked into the door and Louis was like super excited to work with that person as opposed to somebody with like the most perfect cuts first, you know, as soon as they walk in the door Mm -hmm. and, you know, a knowledge of stakes, you know, it's.
2: That doesn't serve the greater good.
0: No, because like you said skills can be taught, Mm -hmm. attitude and personality a lot of the time can't be changed. They're inherent. (laughs) If you're pissy, you're pissy (laughs) and that's Mm -hmm. all you can do about it. Mm -hmm. We're not psychologists here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background, you know, because we're kind of interested in, we know kind of what the trajectory is for us, you know, how you start, you might start as a dishwasher or a prep cook or a line cook and guard manjay. How does that start for somebody who wants to maybe be in your position one day? Um, well tell us your experience first.
2: Uh, I got lucky. Um, I, I grew up in a restaurant family. I grew up in a restaurant house. My first memories were you know going to my dad's restaurant or going to his friend's restaurant or you know a bunch of chefs sitting down. You're um, a bunch of European chefs sitting down playing gin rummy at two o'clock in the morning chain smoking cigarettes. And, what kind of European? Uh, mostly French, uh, some Italian, some Polish. Um, You speak French, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. My family, uh, immigrated here to the States in, uh, 1980, uh, and then, uh, I was born in 82 and just kind of was in this restaurant culture and exposed to it. So, after I graduated from college with the degree that served me, you know, no good, uh, I went back to what was most familiar to me and most comfortable, which was... The so restaurant. your degree wasn't a hospitality management mm, degree? No, not even close. No, I have a degree in French literature and art history.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah,
2: well, you got to go to college, so...
0: Right.
1: I, I know. found those
2: things very pa- tolerable. So I just I just <laughs> okay, I just got the piece of paper with those things on it. I was like, I have to take more of these classes, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um so that's 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 how I kind of uh, got back into it. And then uh you know, through a series of very fortunate events events, um I uh kind of worked my way up uh in the kind of best restaurant in my small town. I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and then uh, I got exposed to, uh, to a chef that, that, that really changed everything for me. Um, and he, uh, uh, he kind of picked us up and, and brought us along with him and, you know, much thanks to David Thomas for everything he's done for us and our family. Um, but, you know, he saw potential in us and he inspired me to be more than just somebody who was working as a waiter in the best restaurant in town so that way I can make more money so I can live my very casual lifestyle. Of sleeping in and, you know, smoking pot and not really doing anything, you know.
0: <laughs> well, you know, mm-hmm. does uh, it's an interesting when you say that you have, like, a casual lifestyle at home. For us, we've talked a lot with different people in back-of-house or front-of-house or in the hospitality industry that can't seem to leave their work. Um, and they take it home with them. Right. So, <laughs> I guess the question to you is, for you, does the work ever stop? Are you able to... Yeah turn off when you go home or as soon as you walk in, are you like to your wife? Blah, blah, blah,
1: blah, blah, yeah, blah, typically, blah, crap, 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 Cause like, uh, how many it, hours do you work? And you know, how much um,
2: generally I work, uh, when I was young, when I was younger, when I was, you know, an entry level manager, um, you know, I was working crazy hours. I was working 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. Right. Right. Um, you know, and I did that for, you know, a good 18 months. Um, you know, and then you, you know, moved to a different city, and then here in Las Vegas, um, the culture wasn't nearly as, like, crazy, like, run through a wall. I mean, it, it was. It was very serious. Um, but uh, I think the mentality um, here in Las Vegas as opposed to what it is on the East Coast, which is just on, 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 on. Um, I think when the parameters are set up and people are used to, you know, working in a union environment, and that's the deal is, like, we're a non-union restaurant, but we still have that feel, those... those those things are kind of imparted on the city and they've left an indelible mark on the culture that's here. Um, so, you know, I think the typical manager here works 10 to 12 hours a day, five days a week, and, you know, you get your two days off. That's, you know, you need that. Um, you know, and, I, and I, believe, I believe in that. You know, I believe that, you know, it's great to... When you're work, you, you do it all out, you know. But when you're done, you need to stop. So I have a couple of people that are on VIP on my phone, you know, My VP, my director, you know, they sent me an email, it sends an alert, but if not, it's on do not disturb. Like Mm -hmm. you got to keep that, you have to keep that for them.
0: So are you then consciously aware of the fact that, you know, do you come home with that Friday night, your Friday night, obviously not Friday night, but (laughs) your Friday night and automatically... Tell yourself like, is, or do you just know it? Cause for me, I have to actually physically, like I have to tell right. myself uh-huh. it's time to turn off, stop looking at the emails, stop yeah. looking at the text messages. Maybe the good idea is to put it on. Do not disturb. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Uh, but how do you, are you consciously aware of the fact that I am home? okay, done, now no, we're I are moving on and to the child, now we're moving on to the wife, now we're moving on to friends, whatever.
2: Exactly, yeah, I, and, I, and I've and i done that, yes, but in the last two years, I've made a conscious decision to separate those
0: things. So it wasn't in the beginning, necessarily.
2: No, 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 before, it was just always on. You know, yeah. a, you know, there used to be a, you know, there used to be a no cell phone in bed policy, um, just because, you know, we wouldn't have any kids right now if I was allowed to you right know, my cell phone. In bed <laughs> right, so, I know, would not be possible. Uh, yeah, so when you're just... You know, constantly on it, and that's all that you think about. And I think that passion, that drive, is very important uh, in the beginning, and in that, in that buy-in. Um, but you become infinitely more productive and better for your restaurant um, in the future if you're if you're able to give yourself a little bit of time.
1: Yeah. And
2: we've all seen those workaholics. You know, we've all seen that 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 <laughs> that manager that looks like he hasn't even washed his hair in a couple of days. And Why she's are you in here? Yeah, like. <laughs> why his hand is just like permanently stuck to his <laughs> forehead is it just pushing it up higher you know that chef that hasn't you know sat down and had himself you know a real meal or treated himself like a decent human being um, in a long time I was playing a game of like taboo or something and uh, I think the first moment that I realized that there was a problem was like uh, you either trying to describe something but there's words that you can't use right so like
1: okay.
2: they were like yeah, right. they're like uh, my wife like looks at me and she's like you eat over this, you, and I was like, trash can, a sink, like, that's, that's like,
0: <laughs> like, that's what
2: became normal to me yeah. was the idea that, like, By this, this is,
0: area. You know,
2: the only time that uh, was good for me was when we had kids and I needed to eat quickly on the go, you know, yeah. like, that was, that wasn't figured out until much later, but yeah, when, when that becomes the norm that, you know, the trash can and the sink are what you eat over, then, you know, maybe just take a step back for a re-prioritize. second. Reprioritize.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, reprioritize. Oh my goodness. You know, I'm I'm totally seeing the more people that we talk to, I'm totally seeing that there is this pattern. And you know, there there is this type of person that's more prone to working in mm-hmm. our industry. Oh, yeah. It's oh, not for sure it's definitely not for everybody. No. no.
2: No, you have to be a little fucked up. Yeah. Like it you have certainly to feels you. like it. Yeah.
1: Crazy genius fucked up. Just a little bit, just the right kind of fucked yeah. up though well, right. I remember yeah. uh,
2: when I was a kid my uh my dad was a general manager at one point, so he started off as a chef and then moved over to becoming a, a manager, and he uh <laughs> we were going to bail his chef out of jail again, right, so we're going to give the bondsman this money and uh i said yeah. I said, you know, Dad, why do you keep bailing this chef out like I don't understand like this is like the third time in like the last like two years. And he said, uh, you know, Christopher, there's only, there's only two kinds of chefs, right? Uh, either they're completely normal people and their food is terrible. Or, you know, they're a little fucked up and, um, their food is brilliant. So, if he, uh, you know, needs to go out and have a drink, then you're willing to accept that. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And I've met a few exceptions in my life, you know, but, but our industry caters to, you know, like Anthony Bourdain said, to the, to the fringe, to the, to the derelicts, to the to the pirates. Yeah, exactly. To the, to, to the people that other parts of society, you know, um, won't accept. And, you know, my, my chef and I have had this conversation like, why do we do this? And it's because we wouldn't fit in anywhere else. Nobody else would have us. Like, this right, is right. what, this is what works for us.
0: So one of the things that I've noticed post Bazaar Life um, is that clearly not all kitchens work the same. I was kind of, you know, a new, well, I was very much a new person when I came to Bazaar. Yeah, was your first uh, in one, right? Second. Second, second job. job. It's first big one, you know, mm-hmm. being at a big time restaurant. Uh, and so for me, I didn't have a lot of experience in the kitchen. And I didn't know what it was supposed to be like. So, you know, my model was what happened before Bazaar, which was a very abusive kitchen. And then what happened at Bazaar, which is totally different. It's just Mm -hmm. like a different situation. And then so after, it was kind of interesting to see, like, you know, go to the different kitchens. And and that's why they say you should move around, definitely. Definitely. And learn what it's like out there because, you know, it's be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Uh, What I think is really interesting going back to that experience and thinking about it is the relationships between front of house and back of house for me besides obviously a lot of things in the kitchen which we can talk about at another time Mm -hmm. but the front of the house back of the house situation is very different at bazaar than it is at other restaurants now mind you there we have our problems we have our issues blah 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 but in the end it's very much a full family so in a lot of kitchens or restaurants There's a front of house family and there's a back of house family. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's cliques, blah, blah, blah. There's people that are closer to others that get along better. People that don't get along, blah, blah, blah. That still, again, happens. It's normal. But what's not normal is that feeling of being a full family. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I guess, and I know it's, you know, maybe it's partly magic. Who knows? But how did we accomplish that? How did we accomplish? Obviously, again, we don't all get along all the time. We don't love each other, every single yeah, person.
2: Neither do every neither does right. family. Yeah. But
0: what I will say, though, and we've said this before many times when we have gotten back together again, all of us that have gone to all different kinds of places, is even the person that we were annoyed by the most there, like the worst person that you can think of that annoyed you, mm-hmm. if somebody else fucked with them, oh, yeah. then we would fuck with them. Do you know I what I'm know, saying? I like, pre-shift. so even the worst person there, and like we find out some outside person fucking with them, we're like, mm, mm-hmm. that's my bizarre family, even exactly. though I don't like them at work and I want to kill them at work. So how do we accomplish that there? I mean, I know that's a big question, but what are some things you think that con- contributes to that environment of back house in front of house, being a family as opposed to two different parts? I mean, I
2: think it sticks down to one thing is that we sit down every day.
0: Yeah. That's we a big thing, the pre-shift.
2: We, man, we sit down every day and we talk. And we are transparent with each other and we don't divide our pre-shifts and, you know, you sit down and you have a meal, you know, with your chef. I go in every day and I try and say hello to every chef, you know, I mean, you know, Louie and I obviously have a relationship, but... um, you know, you, you you have to establish that it has to be a conscious decision. You know, and it gets to the point where, like, I remember even in our restaurant where you know people didn't know who the stewards were. So like, mm-hmm. I hounded people for months, like.
0: I remember that. You're gonna tell mm-hmm. me
2: every steward's name. That Learn works a name back every there? day. Because if. If you don't know that person on a personal basis, then you don't care about them, right? So if I go back there, I'm just going to throw my stuff into the dish pit, and I don't care about your station. No one, Lorraine, no one would have ever done that to you in your station. If you come up, like if one of my servers came up and just messed up your mise en place, like I would have them in the office written up. They'd be be out. You know why? Because you, you don't do that to our family. And and that was one of those things where like I was going back in the dish pit and I was realised was like I was like oh the reason that they don't care about their mise en place about what it is that they're doing about you know just going back there and just throwing things at them you know valuable things that we need to operate the restaurant valuable. forget the operational mm-hmm. standpoint of it um, was the fact that you know they didn't know them as a brother as a friend as a as a co worker and you know you have to establish that so um, I I think you know upper management and we're very lucky that you know the chefs and the gms that we had before um you know thought that that would be important and i think that that's the most instrumental on um, on, on establishing that relationship of being one family
0: definitely yeah. that is very different so for people that don't work in the restaurant industry or in hospitality there's this pre-shift that we have where we go over at many times you know you might taste something or go over what's happening that day maybe conventions that are in town mm-hmm. big parties small parties vips, VIPs. That kind of deal, you know, things that might be 86, things that we're out of, you know, um, things that we're trying to push, you know, because we've got a lot of it, that kind of thing. Those are the things that usually happen in pre-shifts, but many times, and well, I think in every other restaurant except one other restaurant that I've been in, um, it's separate. Like Christopher was saying, it's like a front of the house meeting with servers and hostesses. And then there's a back of the house meeting with like chefs and cooks and dishwashers, maybe not even dishwashers a lot of the time, but it's, it's a separate, total separate situation. And when you establish from the beginning and in the beginning of your shift that we're a team Mm -hmm. and that we're all on the same page and we all have a voice, which that was another thing we would ask questions and, you know, all kind of contribute to it, then that does lead to a better symbiosis.
1: You're right.
2: Yeah, I could agree more, and that's what they established in uh, South Beach when I first got there. And we opened up uh, Miami Beach, um, and then they brought the same culture here. So I, I think it's a good um, energy that uh, you know, Think
1: Food Group has. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, it's, it's different because like how we're portrayed in media, uh, front of the house, is this completely different entity. Mm-hmm. and they hate back of the house, and then back of the house hates front of the house. Mm-hmm. And it does happen in that some, happen. In some so, many restaurants, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I no, no,
0: say. No. That, that is
2: very much alive. I mean, just as much as the chef like throwing a pan across, you know, that, right. that still lives. You know, we want it to go the way of the dinosaur, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much still a reality in a lot of places.
1: Mm-hmm. But the really successful restaurants actually are like this like we're uh, front of the house and back of the house work together as a team and a family and even if uh, the person has moved on to another job they're still family Mm -hmm. definitely like Las Vegas you know my family has moved on to EDO and you know all the people that I work with Mm. now it's like oh my god it's like my family I'm welcome in their kitchen anytime you know
0: right You take
1: care of your family exactly so I think it's like a big family thing Yeah. Okay, so
0: we're going to move on to a rapid-fire question segment. It's 60 seconds that we'll actually set a timer for. Mm. And we call it on the fly, Mm because, you know, you got to have stuff on the fly in the kitchen. Especially when there's problems. Especially. Especially when there's problems. So, we're going to go ahead and start it. Ready? Christopher, what did you eat last night?
2: Uh... Chips and pork rinds.
0: <laughs> Healthy. <laughs> Favorite hobby, not work-related?
2: Oh, man. I don't have any yet.
0: Come on, work-life balance. Uh, he <laughs> said he
1: was going to take a photography. I'm going to start, yes.
0: <laughs> Cat or dog person? Dog. Yes. Oh, my God. I keep winning here. Favorite pizza?
2: Mushroom and any other protein. Yes.
0: Best place to hang out after a crazy shift? Sand Dollar. Most go restaurant in Las Vegas? Gucci. Gucci? What did you say? Oh. oh. Must go to restaurant. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. Must Gucci.
2: <laughs> um, my go-to right now is um, I, I I go to Chino Poblano nonstop, I can't stop.
0: Good choice. Biggest mm-hmm. server pet peeve. Hot tea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was our bell. you got to explain that one because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what does well, that mean? Well, like, I
2: so said, when you tell me biggest server pet peeve, like, I think of me as a server and what was my biggest pet peeve. So oh, doing do it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So
0: bringing out hot take. Yeah. No, I-, <laughs> I was saying, as you, from a manager perspective, like something that they do that's just like, oh, why? Stop uh, doing right? that.
2: Yeah. Feelings.
0: Feelings. Oh, oh my, gosh. my gosh. This
1: should be another episode.
0: <laughs> feelings. That's going to be our Chef Alex episode. Feelings. Oh it's going to be feelings and stories. Feelings. feelings. Chef Alex is uh, the executive chef in the in the same kitchen, uh, or I should say in the same restaurant You're that right. Christopher works in. And we've been thinking, trying to think of a topic for our jefe and um, feelings and stories. That's his yeah, favorite that's thing. Right.
1: Don't give me feelings. Don't give me story. Yeah, man. I leave your <laughs> feelings at the door. They don't yeah. exist when you clock in, you yeah? know?
0: thank you so much Christopher
2: it's been my pleasure
0: that was awesome thanks for joining us Um, we're gonna end with the infinite wisdom again of Anthony Bourdain Uh, something both back of house and front of house can relate to he says quote don't lie about it you made a mistake admit it and move on just don't do it again ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> How many people does that sound like in our industry? <laughs> Total ownership.
1: <laughs> Louis, tell me uh, tell them where they can reach us. You can reach us, two sharp chefs, on Instagram at two Sharp Chefs, um, Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs and a microphone, and on our website at two You can also email us actually at two sharpschefs at gmail.com. That is true. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Christopher, again. And for
0: Louie, this is Lorraine Moss, Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone, signing out.